You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Paul Burgess from Mission Partner Open House. So today we're focusing on Open House and uh, it's a privilege to welcome Paul Burgess, who's the CEO of Open House, to be with us. Um, Jordan Wakeland's also with us and he's going to be speaking at the five o'clock service tonight. So you don't often get two different sermons in a day here, but uh, if you want more, uh, come back tonight for Jordan. But we're going to hear from uh, Paul a bit of his story and his work at Open House uh, this morning. Uh, But we're celebrating 50 years of Open House. Um, And so I want to acknowledge the wonderful work of George and Muriel Farrington, because 50 years is a long time. It's longer than I've been alive. Um, And for a a ministry to be going so strongly and so well and to serve Jesus sacrificially in terms of reaching out uh, to those on the margins and those in needs is a wonderful testimony to God's grace, but also the hard work of uh, George and Muriel and the others who have been involved over the years. So we want to honour and acknowledge George and Muriel's work. So can we put our hands together for all that they have done? Um, 50 years ago, um, I believe four people met to talk about the fact that there were lots of uh, youth Uh, around the Ivanhoe area who didn't have anywhere to go. And George had a vision for the church to get beyond its walls, to build friendship and to have a place where they could connect with youth outside the church and share the love of Jesus through their actions as well as their words. Uh, And in the room was George, David Woods, who's here, and David and Pam have been key key um, volunteers um, with Open House over the, over the 50 years. Uh, John Solomon, who's Robin Bland's, was Robin Bland's father. Uh, and Alan Kerr, whose grandson um, and great-grandson, grandson Adam and great-grandson Oliver, as well as Henrika, are in our congregation as well. So it's wonderful sort of that the four people in the room have some sort of representation here at St John's. And over the 50 years, lots of people have been involved as volunteers. So I'm not sure how this is going to go, but I'd like if you have volunteered at Open House sometime in the last 50 years, could you stand up so that we get a bit of a sense of the volunteer involvement of people in this congregation? There we go, slowly, slowly. Isn't that wonderful? And there's many, many more who may not be with us today. Um, but people who have volunteered to be at the drop-in centre, served on the board, uh, or been part of the club work program, which we'll hear more about. So let me pray, and then uh, we're going to have our Bible reading from Matthew 25, which uh, it's fitting that David's going to come up and read for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can celebrate the work of Open House today. We thank you for your faithfulness, that you have sustained this work over the past 50 years, that you've given creativity and imagination as the work has been shaped and changed to meet the needs as they've evolved over 50 years. 
We give you thanks for George's vision and for the sacrificial service that he and Muriel um, have given out of love for you, Lord Jesus, over these past 50 years and for these others who have served you as well in order to love people in your name. So we pray that as we gather today and hear your word and hear more about the work uh, that has been happening and what the future might hold, that you would fix our eyes on Jesus and that you would renew in each one of us a deeper desire to love and serve him. And we pray in his name. Amen. So thanks, David. The Bible readings from Matthew 25, if you want to look it up on your phone or in your Bible. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim, and uh, for the opportunity of, of being here, because this church has certainly supported the, church, the work for a long, long time, almost, I would suggest, from the beginning. The, the, uh, the passage selected is one of two on which open, both from Matthew, both on which uh, Open House was founded, and by the grace of God, we have sought to live by. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him will sit on the thrones in heavenly glory, all the nations will gather before him and he will... Uh, oh, this is getting... My eyes must be getting harder. Well, the lights... Anyway, sorry. Let me start again. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in the heavenly glory. All the nations will gather before him and he will separate the sheep, the people one from the other as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you um, hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger, uh, you a stranger and invited you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did you see, we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Good morning, everyone. And thank you for inviting us here today. In a way, it seems like I'm a guest. I've only been in Open House for six years. But Open House has been part of this congregation for 50 years. So I'm a bit of a stranger when you look at the big picture. But it's really great to be here in person. Rather than that online platform assume, I know there's people online today, so welcome to everybody online. 
But it's so much better being together face to face. That may surprise a few people because I'm a bit of an introvert. I quite enjoy my being by myself, going for long runs just by myself. But I have missed people. In the last three days, I've had more contact with people than I have in the previous 12 months, as we had a big party for open house on Friday night. That said, online platforms have served as well. During the lockdown, open house had to change from face-to-face programs to online programs. It was easier for some groups than others. The youth just took to it. That was nice and easy for them. But then the older people, that was a problem. They didn't have the right devices. How are they meant to contact us online if they haven't got devices? So we went out and bought some iPads for them. Then the problem was, during lockdown, how do you get them out to people? How do you teach people how to use an iPad that have never used one? So that was quite fun. But it was definitely worth the effort. Our people were able to remain connected to Open House. I hate to think how our people would have coped without this technology. But before moving on to my talk today, I need to thank you, the church. I need to thank you for your long-term support and thank the people, as I've already said, that have been part of Open House. The biggest support that probably interests me most is the prayer support. Yes, we need finances. We need quite a lot of finances to run an organisation the size of Open House. But it's that prayer bit. As Christians, prayer underpins everything we do. For how can we know God's will unless we talk about to him. I see it very much like a tree. Every prayer you pray adds to the root system. And the more prayers, the stronger the roots. And then the stronger open house will become. If people stop praying, the root system's going to die. And so will open house. So please keep praying for us. So we are a Christian-based charity offering friendship and support to anybody that walks through the doors. We are a place to belong. And our mission is to live out Matthew 25, 35 to 40. Basically, the the message David just read to us. Open House offers long-term friendship and support to children, young people and adults, particularly those disadvantaged or socially isolated. There's many short-term programs out there, 10-week programs, self-help programs, but our unique selling point is the long-term friendship. There's still people around today that started in 1971. We always try to provide a relaxed atmosphere so that people are encouraged to feel they belong. We respect each person, their social, racial, and religious beliefs and treat everyone with dignity. We see each person as unique, valued and loved by God. Open House has developed through the grace of God, the hard work, love, kindness, stickability, inspiration and generosity of many hundreds of caring people. And throughout the 50 years, Open House has had two non-negotiables. We are to remain Christian, and we are to offer friendship. 
But for us to remain Christian, it's vital that we work in partnership with the local church. We work with any flavour of church, to be honest. We're not just Anglican, Baptist, Uniting, Catholic, Pentecostal, Salvation Army. If they're Christian, we will work with them. But it's worth pointing out that Open House is not a church. It's not something we're called to be. We're set up as an organisation to work with churches, to partner with churches. We are a parachurch organisation. That said, we don't just work with Christian people. Our focus is friendship to all. But if people want to talk about Christian things, we're always happy to share with them. 1 Peter 3.18, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason that you have. But we're not going to force a Christian message down people's throats. An example of this is a young lad recently. We've been working with him for quite a few years, and he took part in a youth adventure activity, canoeing down the Murray River for four days. So can, you can imagine 60 kilometres down a river, there's plenty of time to talk. And one day he asked the youth manager how to become a Christian. Seems a bit out of the blue. He said he'd been thinking about it for a long time. He'd actually been on Google, looked on Google, how do you become a Christian? But he couldn't find the answer. So Steve had the privilege of leading him to Christ. I was going to throw a joke in here. Yeah, I'm going to throw it in anyway. Lucky for him, I wasn't in the boat. Because I, I was first went to church in a Baptist church. I would have capsized the canoe straight away. <laughs> As in the Baptist church, it's baptism with full immersion. Repent and be baptized. But whether I've said that or not, who knows? I know it's recorded, so I probably have. <laughs> but as a way to assist people on the journey at Open House, we're about to run an Alpha course. Yes, you do Alpha course in church here. And my preference, to be honest, is for people to go to a church to do an Alpha course. But some of our people asked us to run an Alpha course. They said, we're not ready to go into a church yet. We need an easy entry point. So we're offering the easy entry point to get people into the church things. And hopefully one day they will be church members. So to my talk today, my title is The Power of Friendship. What else could it be really? I'm going to be sharing some stories about how the power of friendship has changed many lives over the years. My first story, this one lad grew up in commission housing Left school at 16, no qualifications. At school, he was always getting into trouble and told he's never going to amount to anything. After he finished school, he started hanging around with the people that he shouldn't have been. People that claimed to be his friend, but led him astray. He was basically a good kid, but peer pressure got him into trouble. As an outsider, it was easy to see that his life was going the wrong way. But then a real friend asked him to play a game of soccer. Soccer was his real love in life. And at the end of the game, the manager asked if he'd like to play a game. Then he found out the team was linked to a boys' brigade team, which was linked to a church. 
The problem was, for him to continue to play, he had to attend the boys' brigade. His friend convinced him it would be fun. And he was right. He loved it. And after a while, he was told he went to the boys' brigade, he had to go to church. Again, his friend convinced him it would be fun. And he was right. But he had had minimal contact with church. So church etiquette was a steep learning curve for him. He didn't know the rules or the strange religious language. He was an outsider who did not fit in. But if we read in the Bible, we see that Jesus was drawn to these type of people, the people that didn't fit in. And at Open House, we try and do people through what I like to call Jesus-tinted lenses. From time to time, I like to do people watching. I'd love to do it more, but I never have the time. I just like to sit in a cafe or on a bench somewhere and just watch people. Just try to view them as Jesus would view them. And every time I do this, well, I'm feeling tears now. My heart goes out to these people because Jesus loves everybody, no matter their background, where they're from. Just... We okay to carry on with the mic? Yep. We see people that come through the doors of open house as unique, as a person with a name. But that's not easy, as the world today tries to put labels on people. Our government reporter needs us to tick boxes. We need to give them a label. They need to know their age, their background, where they were employed, their accommodation state their study status, and other services they are assessing. So my label, I'm over 55, I was born in England, employed, I have a mortgage, I'm married with two children, I'm dyslexic, what a word to try and say for dyslexic. (laughs) Dyslexic, short and bald. They're trying to compare people against what they consider as normal. However, from my observations, no one is normal. And that includes me. We're all unique and have strange quirks. But that's that's what makes us interesting. The world would be very boring if we were all the same. So open house, we try to treat people as individuals rather than trying to give them a label. However, back to my story. Sorry, I thought digressing. The boys soon realised that if he was to remain in church, he had to learn a few rules. It was not fine for him to continue to talk while the minister was preaching. He couldn't come and go as he pleased, and he certainly wasn't allowed to take a coffee into church. The old ladies would soon put him right. They'd glare at him every time he did something wrong. So he had no alternative but to comply and listen. Listen to the guy at the front. But to cut a long story short, the preacher man was making sense to him. And he wanted the God the preacher so passionately talked about in his life. Church was the change he needed, and his life started to improve. He had positive influences in his life and managed to get a job in an electronics factory. This changed his life and also had a positive impact on the wider family. The same friend, while doing hospital visits, noticed this boy's mother and he and his dad went to pray for her. 
She was in hospital with a blood clot on the lung, and the family were told she wasn't going to make it. But the blood clot disappeared, and she made a full recovery. As a result, she started attending church with her husband, and they became Christians. They also dragged his sister and husband to church. They were having troubles in their marriage, but his mum dragged them along. They became Christians, went off to Bible college, then became missionaries in Kenya, and they now run a church in the northeast of England. The power of friendship changed his life and that of many others. It simply started with a friend asking him to play a game of soccer. Never underestimate the power of friendship. His life has taken shape. He was following God. Did he continue to sin? Well, of course he did. We all do. But he was still God's. The boy from the rough had turned good, and many of the group he used to hang around with were serving prison sentences. It had a lucky escape, or is it providential guidance? Who knows? He had purpose in life. He was serving in the church, going on mission trips. Good job, loving Christian girlfriend, became his wife, and they were blessed with two boys. Life was good. He was following God's plan. However, this is a true story. Trouble with true stories is they don't have fairytale endings. Life's not always easy. And at times, they can be very hard. His life took a dramatic U-turn. On Friday, the 10th of February, 1995, his wife walked out on him. It turned out he was having, she was having an affair with a friend of his. His life collapsed. He had nothing to do. So being a good Christian lad, he called the minister. Minister came out and quoted Romans 8, 28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. But he'd lost everything. How could this minister say that to somebody who had lost everything? But God didn't leave him. He protected him. And after two years, his life started getting back to normal. The major breakthrough came when he joined a new church. He was no longer known as a guy with the failed marriage. He felt his life was starting again. God gave him new opportunities to serve, and he invested all his time in God's work. By the grace of God, he got through the divorce, and he now understands that if God can get him through that, he can get him through anything. It was not God's plan for his marriage to fail, but God was there for him. The next chapter in his life began with a trip to the Dominican Republic. A friend, yes, a friend again, persuaded him to take a holiday with a difference. A work and holiday with a Christian charity. They were there to build a clinic. A result of which led him to go to Bible college to study theology. After his first paper, he was called into the tutor's office and his tutor said, we think you're dyslexic. He'd never heard of this term before. And it instantly made sense why he had struggled at school. The college had a learning support team and he managed to complete his college course and went on to do a master's. If you've not read, already worked it out, that boy is me. A reminder of what the minister said. All things work together for the good of those who love him. He was right. However, I was not in the right place to hear it at the time, but I am now. So you've heard about how the power of friendship has changed my life and many others. 
If it was not for my friend inviting me to kick a ball, I wouldn't be a Christian, nor would my family or many hundreds of other people. If it was not for Christian friends, I would not have gone to the Dominican Republic or even considered Bible college. And that is why I'm passionate about the work of Open House, because the power of friendship changes lives. I am living proof. So I encourage you to get behind the work of Open House so we can help more people by simply offering friendship, giving people the opportunity to have a place to belong. But being on a friend on the face of it seems an easy task. You just hang out with friends, drinking coffee, chatting. But I started thinking about my personal friendship group and what that entails. Being a friend is not always plain sailing and often takes sacrifices. Being there for when your friends need you, checking in on them even when they haven't asked you, asked you to. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got up at four in the morning to support a friend. He was taking part in a 24-hour running race around a 400-meter athletics track. I was part of his support team. I was asked, why would I get up in the middle of the night to watch someone run around in circles? The answer was simple, because he's my friend. It is normal for a friend to go above and beyond because we want the best for our friends. And that is definitely the case at Open House. The Open House family care for people. But being a friend also involves being honest. Sometimes you need to tell them what they need to hear and not what they want to hear. When I was writing this talk last week, a song came on Spotify, I'll Be Your Shelter from the House Martins. I'm not going to sing, otherwise everyone will go home and I'll be finishing this talk by myself. But these words I have adapted. In times when you're troubled, seems more than you can afford and you feel you feel you need a friend, someone to share the load. And when the skies grow cloudy, I want you to know you've got a friend that's true, just like a shelter in a time of storm. Open house will see you through. That's what we do. When your dreams are scattered, just like the wind-blown sand, and you feel you feel you need a friend, we'll be there, reach out your hand. And when the tempest is raging, I want you to know you've got a friend that's true just like a shelter in a time of a storm. Open house will see you through. That's what we do. Open house will see you through your bad times. Open house will see you through your fears. Open house will see you through your hangouts. That is what we do. Time for a few more stories, I think. Sometimes in our overly busy lives, we take the importance of open house, people, the importance of what open house means to our people for granted. I was reminded that recently, when I was talking to one of our participants, the highlight of their week is going to open house. It's the only time they see other people throughout the whole week. Recently, I also heard my name being called in Northland Shopping Centre. I looked around to see two of our participants rushing over to see me. They were really keen to introduce me to their carers to tell them, so I could tell them all about open house. People must have wondered what was going on because they were so excited, they didn't stop really screaming. I reckon people thought I was famous, but I didn't sign any bits of paper or anything for anybody. Another participant came to Open House just last week with a big smile on his face and told everyone how excited he was to be going to the Open House 50th birthday. 
He'd been out to buy a new suit. At the event, he never stopped smiling. He felt he was a VIP for the night. Open house has given him a place to belong. Also, the cake we had on the night was made by one of our younger participants. She'd been part of Open House for a few years and had previously met, made a cake for a member of our staff that was going on maternity leave. She'd done such a great job that when we started talking about cake at the planning team, everyone said, get this girl to do it. Since knowing her, she's really grown in confidence. She helps at the coffee cart at Backyard Sports on a Thursday. And she even got up on Friday night in front of 250 people to thank us. She was a person who was socially isolated, didn't have a place to belong, but now she feels she's part of the family. What is more, she's just got a job in a local burger shop. Another story linked to our backyard sports program at Mellahan Reserve. This has been running for 14 years. Again, long-term friendship. A young girl moved to Banyol from Alice Springs area and came into contact with us one night at Backyard Sports. And she recently told me she'd never played basketball until she was invited to by the team. This young girl is now a great basketball player and plays for a team of much older girls. She's also a regular attender at Backyard Sports and other open house programs. She's found a place to belong. These are just a few stories of how we help people find a place to belong. Open House has existed for 50 years, which is massive. And the world today is a totally different place than it was in 1971. And throughout this time, there's been amazing advances in technology and life is far more comfortable than it was back in 1971. But I'm sad to say the issue of social isolation and loneliness is still as much of a problem today as it was back then. It's probably even more of a problem today. And as a result of last year and COVID, people now have an understanding of what it's like to be socially isolated. Therefore, organisations such as Open House need to exist. There's a few things we're working on towards the future. We've noticed that as a result of COVID and lockdown, some of our people now struggle to get to Open House. Therefore, We've got to set up a program so we can go to them. It's going to be called the Visitation Program. But to run a program like this, we're going to need 40 volunteers to work in pairs so we can support 20 of our people. We also have a waiting list for our Youth Workshop Mentoring Program. And it's really sad to have to turn people like the girl I spoke about away. But this is a major piece of work to do that. And it costs an awful lot of money. But one thing that I'm really keen that we're trying to do is trying to make Open House more visible. We're not as visible as we'd like to be. Lonely and isolated people don't tend to wander the back streets of the suburbs to find somewhere to belong. People need to be able to find Open House without looking for us. Therefore, we're looking at a possibility of a cafe-style shopfront premises that's highly visible and easy for people to find and very close to public transport. The McLeod site will remain with a focus on programs, 
where the satellite cafes would be the entry point to open house. Yes, a return back to the drop-ins 50 years ago so that we can give people a place to belong. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.